a, a story. We're going to be closing a story, um, but it's also just the start of a story at the same time. So being a child of the 80s, I so cleverly titled the sermon, The Neverending Story. There's no big, fluffy, white, whatever that thing is in that film, but we're going to talk about some cool stuff this morning. So open your Bibles to John chapter 21. Uh, we're going to start in verse 20. So if you are new, if this is your first time, if you've been coming for a while but not all year, we have been going through the Gospel of John all year long. So we started in January, and today is the last day of our Gospel of John series before we move into a Christmas series. Um, so if you've been coming, we have been deeply entrenched in the book of John all year long, picking it apart piece by piece, dissecting who is this Jesus, what is he about, what has he come to do, what is he saying, what kind of weird, wacky things is he saying that are so upside down. Um, and so we get today to the final five verses of the entire book. And I'm going to split it up into two parts because there's two separate things that I want to talk about. The first half that we're going to look at, we're going to look at verses 20 to 23 first. And this is going to be the closing of the narrative part of the book. Um, and then we'll look at the final two verses, which is going to be kind of John's conclusion. Um, but just as a little bit of a recap, John is one of Jesus' disciples, one of his followers. And so he is telling the story of who this Jesus is and all of the things that he saw firsthand and experienced um, from following Jesus. So he dedicates this entire book, all of this writing, to tell the story of who Jesus is. And in chapter 20, he said, I've written these things so that you may believe. He writes it as an account of, I have seen and experienced and witnessed this, and so I have got to write it down because I want you to know and believe what I know and believe. And so we find ourselves at the end of this book, and last week Kenny had talked about how um, Jesus has already died, and he's resurrected, and he's shown himself to a ton of people. One account says at one time it was 500 people. He shows up to his disciples, to his followers, this resurrected Jesus saying, I'm not dead, I'm alive. What I said was true. Who I said I was was true. And now I'm going to teach you some things about how to carry on what I've been doing after I leave. And so... <clears throat> So uh, we find them um, on a shore at the sea, and Jesus was talking to Peter, and he's basically telling Peter, like, hey, do you love me? I have a plan for you. I have a mission for you. I have, I have something that I'm calling you to, which is to go and take care of my sheep. Go feed my flock. Go take care of and tend to this church, this movement that we've started. Um, and so we pick up right after that. Jesus ends um, in, ver chapter in verse 19, and he tells Peter, so follow me. He says it over and over again, follow me. And so we're going to pick up right after that in verse 20. It says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, who's writing the book, following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Okay, so we're going to pick this apart a little bit. So um, what we see throughout the book of John is that Jesus is, is showing people this new way of life. He's showing people, look, this is what you thought life was about, and I'm here to clarify that a bit and tell you what life is really about. 
and he calls people to this new life. Come and follow me, and I will give you a new life. That's what we saw him say to Peter just before this, and that's what the the mission of the disciples is going to be. The mission of the church is going to be, is to go and show people who Jesus is and the offering of a new life if we follow him. And so the first point in your, in your notes is when we meet Jesus, we're invited. Have you guys ever shown up at a party that you weren't invited to? Have you ever showed up at a wedding you weren't invited to? Yes, those are the kind of people I want to hang out with. That sounds like fun. Okay, so it's super awkward, and you're like, oh, like, my friend told me this was, like, an open invitation and, like, that I could come, but, like, now it's very clear there's, like, five people here, and they are all best friends, and, like, what am I doing? feels really awkward to not be invited. Jesus is, Jesus is, is his, uh, what he's saying, his message over and over again is everyone is invited to the table. Everyone here is invited. If you are a human being, if you are a breathing, living human, you are invited. There is no one that I will exclude based on nothing that you have done or will do. You are all included. You are all invited. So when we meet Jesus, we are invited. He extends an invitation to us. The invitation is first invited to a new life. Follow me. Here's the deal. Life is hard. You're a mess. I know that because I've created you, and I know everything, and you're a mess. If you're a mess, raise your hand. Just kidding, don't, but I'll raise mine. You're a mess, and Jesus is like, that's cool. I'm going to walk you into some freedom and some joy and some life and some restoration and redemption. Get up and start following me. He extends that invitation to everybody, and as we follow him, he gives us a new life. We're going to talk more about that this morning. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has chosen, okay, I'm going to say yes to Jesus and start walking. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So we're invited into something brand new. We're also invited to follow one step at a time. One step at a time. If you're like me, I have a serious problem with having any amount of grace on myself, and I think that I should be perfect all the time, and I should do everything the best all the time. And if you know me at all, I'm not the best any of the time. And so I spend all of my time having so much, so much of a struggle feeling like I should be farther along than I am. And in my conversations with so many of you, because I have the best job in the world where I get to meet with so many of you and walk alongside you, and I hear that that is such a common theme of feeling like I should be somewhere other than I am. I should be farther along. How am I still struggling with this? How do I still have doubt? How has God done so much in my life, and yet I'm still questioning, and I'm unsure, and I have no faith? He calls us to follow one step at a time. And so he gives, Je- he gives Peter this, this prompt on the, on the shore, and he says, go take care of all of my sheep. And if you're Peter, you're like, okay, all of the sheep. Okay, got to take care of all of the sheep, right? And then Jesus says, okay, follow me. And then they start walking. He literally is like, follow me. No, I have a practical way. Get up, and now we're going to start walking. One step at a time. One, one command, one, one leading, one piece of wisdom at a time. Now do the next best thing right now. So um, in, in uh, chapter 21, verse 19 and 20, it says, After saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple Jesus loved following them. So Jesus is saying, get up, follow. <clears throat> so one step at a time, one day at a time. Sometimes it is one moment at a time. For me in this last year, it's sometimes been one breath at a time. In this one breath, I'm going to follow you, and then by the time I take the next breath, I have to make a decision again. 
because the deck is stacked against you and life is hard and temptations are real and sometimes it is literally one breath at a time I have to choose again and choose again. I'm going to keep following. Uh, Elizabeth Elliot, um, uh, she's an amazing woman. Google it. I don't have time. Just Google her. She's awesome. Um, she, she has this quote that I love. Um, I think it's up here. It says, does it make sense to pray for guidance about the future if we are not obeying in the thing that lies before us today? How many momentous events in scripture depended on one person's seemingly small act of obedience? Rest assured, do what God tells you to do now and depend on it, you will be shown what to do next. So many of us, we get caught up on like, what is the plan for my life? What is, if you're young, you're like, what am I going to do with my life? Everyone's like, what are you going to major in? What, what kind of job do you want to get? Uh, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? When are your kids going to have kids? When are you going to retire? Everyone, nobody is satisfied with us just being where we are, right? Everyone wants to know. You have three kids, Adam. Do they ask you when's the next one? Meadow's like a baby. When's the next kid? They're going to have three girls. Lay off me, right? And I'm like, no, don't lay off. Keep going. I love them. But everyone wants to know big picture stuff. And God's like, what about this one step? What about this one next best step right now? Because how I'm going to lead you is not in leaps, but in steps. Point C in this part is we are invited to play a personalized part in a cosmic, never-ending story. I really struggled with this point because there's two things I want to say, and I'm really bad at the, like, fill-in-the-blank notes thing. I just want to talk forever, so we're going to break this down. So we're invited to play a personalized part. We're going to talk about this part first. God has called you to both a specific journey and a communal journey, okay? So there's a couple of different things. Um, you can see some patterns in, in the church, in, uh, a lot in the American church, of Either everything is about the individual. It's you and your relationship with God. My relationship with God is private. I don't need to be a part of a church because it's me and God are good, and it's, it's about me. It's not about you. It's not about you. By the grace of God, he loves you, and he has an intimate personal relationship with you. But because it's about something bigger. And so it is, it is a specific journey that God has designed for you. A specific calling that God has designed for you. When he knit you together in your mother's womb, he had a plan and a purpose for your life. What is more freeing than knowing that you don't have to figure out the plan and purpose for your life? Someone who knows you and is sovereign and all-powerful and almighty planned and purposed you in your entire life. We just have to follow one step at a time. Do the next right thing, right? Do the next thing that's going to lead us closer to Jesus. So it's a specific journey. You were created with purpose. If you're sitting here this morning and you feel like, why am I even here? Great question. That is a great starting point. Why are you here? You are here because the God of the universe knows you and loves you and created you with a plan and a purpose for your life. And he wants to take you one step at a time into walking towards what that is. And when we walk out what that is, we are filled with life and joy and freedom. And then you're living. It's also a communal journey. It does not happen in isolation. The body of Christ is called the body of Christ because it is required that we are all working together. We say at this church all the time, everybody has a part to play. I loved the, uh, 
in, um, I think it was like minute 17 of Kenny's hour-long announcements, I loved when he said, um, he said that like some people, they pay someone to do all of the stuff, you know, and I had friends growing up where like they had a housekeeper and a nanny and a this and a window washer and a car washer. And I had my mom being like, oh, you want $5? Go wash my car. And me being like, I don't want $5 that bad. But everyone had a part to play. You have to help. You have to help, right? Um, in this church, in, in every single church, let me say that, in every single church, everyone has a part to play. In the body of Christ, everybody has a part to play. And we get to walk through this life and journey with Jesus and figure out what is my part, God? What are you calling me to? But we do it in community. We do it because there is a journey going on, a movement going on to tell a broken world who Jesus is and that there is freedom and life to be had. And we get to do that together. We are not in isolation. So it's both specific to you, a personal journey, and also a communal journey. Point number two, don't compare your part or your process. In the passage that we looked at, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. Jump down to verse 21. He says, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? So Jesus is like, Peter, do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my flock. Peter, do you love me? Go and take care of my sheep. And then Peter's like, yeah, okay. So what about him? And I love Jesus' response. He's so sassy. If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. I feel like myself personally, and I know in a lot of conversations that I've been able to have with a lot of you, we get so wrapped up in comparing our part and our process. Someone has a part that's really up front, and you get a lot of recognition for it, and then someone else is setting up chairs, and you feel like, Gosh, I'm not, really doing, I'm not really doing anything for the kingdom. Yes, you are. Because people are here sitting in the chairs that you set up. So thanks for setting up the chairs. Everyone, if you're sitting in a seat, say, thank you for setting up my chair. <laughs> Whoever set up the chairs, yeah, we thank you. I don't actually know who they are. I don't even know who they are today. Who are they? Tyler. Tyler. Da- yeah, uh, Dustin. Yeah, okay. Everyone has a part to play. Don't compare your part and don't compare your process. It's easy to look at where you are and think I should be somewhere else. Or look at somebody else and think, man, they've grown so much in such a short amount of time. Or they went through something really hard and they've handled it this way. I should do that. Don't compare your part or your process. Just stay connected to Jesus. He will walk you. If if he's walking me one step at a time in this direction and he's walking someone else this way and it's over an obstacle course and mine happens to be downhill for a little bit, For one, rest assured it's going to go back uphill pretty quick. But also, get over their process. Encourage them in their process and say, wow, that's, you're on a wild ride. I'm on one too. Don't compare your part with other people and don't compare your process. I love the the quote, I don't know who said it, but comparison is the thief of joy. It is so true. I feel it all the time. Compare my gifts to somebody else's gifts and think, why aren't I more like that? Or why, why are they so gracious and I'm like such a mess? All of these different things where I feel like I should be somewhere that I'm not and realizing like, okay, I can get caught up on where I'm not or I can get caught up in where Jesus wants to take me one step at a time. Does that make sense? At least Dale gets it. All right. So the second part there, in a cosmic never-ending story, your part is a part, not the point. Let me use another quote because other people just say things so much better than me. 
N.T. Wright says, who's a theologian, um, he says, when God saves, is that up there? Yeah. We've got a little back to the, fe- I mean, a Star Wars thing going on. When God saves. Is that a voice? There's no voice in the movie. It's just silent. Sorry. Okay, we're going to move on from that. So when God saves people in this life by working through his spirit to bring them to faith and by leading them to follow Jesus in discipleship, prayer, holiness, hope, and love, such people are designed, it isn't too strong a word, to be a sign and a foretaste of what God wants to do for the entire cosmos. What's more, such people are not just to be a sign and foretaste of that ultimate salvation— They are to be part of the means by which God makes this happen in both the present and the future. So it's not just that, it's not just that we have this part and God's doing something in us and shaping us and refining us. He also invites us into a larger story of this thing that he's been doing since the dawn of time to reconcile a broken world to himself. He says, hey, I want you to play a part in this. I'm going to give you a part to play. But it's not just a part to play for right now. It's not just a part to play to tell people that there's a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's a part that every single step along the way matters. It's a part to give a broken world an understanding that there is hope that starts now. It is not just a future hope for when you stand at pearly gates. It is hope for life now. So you're broken now. It's not, don't worry, one day Jesus will make it right. Yes, one day he'll make it right. And also right now he'll make it right through what he's working out in you in the process. And so uh, in uh, the last verse of this section, it says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Like I read that, I was like, okay, the never-ending story, right? Because what happens is, they, John is telling the story of Jesus, and he gets to the end, and he's like, in this three years that I've been talking about of Jesus' ministry, there are more things that have happened than we could write books about. That was 2,000 years ago. And the same Spirit of God is still moving and active and doing things and carrying on that story now. Could you imagine if all of the people of God told their story? I'm going to tell the story. I'm going to tell the story. The gospel according to Adam. The gospel according to Sue. The gospel according to Barbara. The gospel of Jesus Christ at work in my life. That's what it's called to be a living testimony. That's what it means for our lives to be a living testimony. So, I know I'm so awkward. I split up the passage. So we're going to jump back to verse 24 right now. So it says, this is where John's going to close his whole gospel. And he says, this is the disciple who's bearing witness about these things who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things Jesus did. Were not every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that were written. So at this point, John's wrapping up his gospel. He's wrapping up his eyewitness account of what Jesus did. Look, here's the thing. This is what I saw. This is what happened. I met this guy, this Jesus of Nazareth. He was a carpenter bunch of guys were fishing and tax collecting and he said follow me and we're like okay we'll follow you and then he just starts healing people and all of a sudden blind people can see and deaf people can hear and he's meeting with prostitutes and tax collectors and cripples and lepers and he's meeting them in these broken spaces and he's saying crazy things like he's going to give them life and salvation and forgiveness and then he tells them be healed and they get up and walk and their their leprosy falls away 
Here's the thing. This is what's happened, and I'm going to write it down because I know for sure that these things are true because I saw them with my own eyes. And so I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to pass this along because I want you to know that it's true, that it's what happened, and it will change your life when you realize that this is what's happened. So at the end here, John's, John's wrapping it up, and if you think about it, these Jewish people have been waiting for a Messiah for thousands of years. This, this man that God is going to send from heaven to save Israel, to redeem them, to restore them. 700 years after prophets like Isaiah and Micah prophesy that the Messiah will be born of a virgin in Bethlehem from the line of David, would perform miracles, give sight to the blind, make the deaf hear, Jesus is born of a virgin in Bethlehem. From the line of David, he performs miracles. He gives sight to the blind. He makes the deaf see. 500 years after Zechariah prophesies that the Messiah will ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, and then his clothing will be sold for 30 pieces of silver, and then he'll be abandoned by his disciples, Jesus rides into into Jerusalem on a donkey. His clothes are sold for 30 pieces of silver, and he's abandoned by his disciples. Hundreds of years after psalmists and prophets foretell that the Messiah is going to be hated for no reason, he's going to be spit on, beaten, crucified, and killed, all for the sake of mankind to be reconciled to God. This is what happens. And John, as a Jewish person, is watching this unfold and is like, this is what we've been talking about. This is what we've been waiting for. I've got to tell people because this is insane. This is life-changing, universe-altering stuff. How, if you are John, how do you not tell this story? So now John's lived through all of this. He's seen all of this. He's now, it's later, you know, he's probably written this about 90 years after Jesus. Um, And it says, uh, yeah, so there's persecution and all of this stuff is going on. And, and so now John is, is sitting here and he's older and he's got all of this, this experience and this, this journey with Jesus and this firsthand understanding of who this Messiah was. And he, he, he's left with a decision. He was invited into this story of Jesus's. And he's left with this decision. Are these going to be experiences that I privatize? Or is this going to be a story that I'm going to tell leading to something more significant? And he, like so many of Jesus' followers where we get the New Testament from, they decide, I'm going to tell this story. I can privatize this. This can be like, oh, I had this amazing experience with Jesus. It was so crazy. But the way that they experience this living, breathing Jesus is in such a way that they cannot help but tell the story. And so the gospel goes from, from 12 followers to a couple hundred followers to a couple thousand followers, to in this area, to this area, to this area, to 2,000 years later in Lomita, California, we're gathered here and we're talking about this Jesus because people were willing to tell the story and not out of compulsion, but because what else do you do when you're a part of a story like that? And so when we meet Jesus, we become living testimonies. In Acts 1-8, when the early church is starting, Jesus has, has ascended and is with the Father, and the, the, followers are, the uh, disciples and all of Jesus' followers are gathered together, and, and Jesus says, uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and Lomita, and Redondo Beach, and Torrance, and Wilmington, and to the ends of the earth. I added a couple things in there. 
the Bible doesn't, if your translation doesn't say it, it hasn't been updated. So he says, all this crazy stuff has happened. The promised Messiah has come. He's done all of these gnarly things. And now I'm going to leave this story with you. And you get to go, and you get to tell the story. We tell the story of Jesus' life and ministry on earth, which is the gospel. So we tell the story of the gospel. Gospel writers wrote it down. Publishers put it in these beautiful leather-bound books that for so many people it sits on your shelf. But we get to tell the story of the gospel. We get to tell the story of who this Jesus was, what he did, what he was about, what he was in the business of doing. We also tell the story of Jesus' work in our hearts and lives, which is our testimony. So we tell the story of who Jesus was when we talk about the gospel. And we tell the story of who Jesus still is when we talk about our testimony. When we talk about the story of God working in our lives. I love the, the NIV version of Psalm um, 107. It says, give thanks, I think it's up there, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. I love that translation. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Let the redeemed of the Lord go out and say, I, all I know, I don't know anything. All I know is I was blind and now I see. You have to figure out what you do with that. Because here's all I know. I don't know how God created the heavens and the earth. I don't know if it was seven literal days or if it was overtime. I don't know if it was, bam, this exists or if he let things evolve. I don't know. I don't know how prayer works. I don't know how sometimes I pray for things and they happen and sometimes they don't. And sometimes I don't even ask for things and then just God gives me good things. I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. All I know is I was broken and lost and isolated and alone with no hope. And now I am healing and I'm growing in relationship and understanding of the creator of the universe who is simultaneously my father who knows and loves me and wants me. So we tell our stories. I grew up um, in, in, a, in a Christian environment, a Christian home and uh, going to church and stuff. And I think sometimes um, I'm walking through a couple of friends with a couple of friends um, who I won't embarrass, but who are, are figuring all of this out for the first time. And I'm watching them process through things and ask questions, and I'm like, that's a great question. Gosh, it's just become so commonplace for me. I just am like, yes, of course. What do you mean? You don't understand that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, that's what Jesus does. And it's like, no, but he was dead. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a big deal. I forget that, right? So I grew up in a church, um, and not the church's fault. I grew up in, a, in, in an understanding of, for myself of, um, that we have a call to evangelize right? Evangelize. And then people would go and they would take like tracks down the Hermosa Pier and be like, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And I'm like, oh, like if growing in my faith with Jesus means I have to go to the Hermosa Pier and hand out tracks, like I can't grow. I don't want to grow. I can't do it. If that's what evangelism looks like. And that is evangelism that God calls some people to. And if God calls you, obey. But it also can look so much more simple than that. For me, personally, um, I still have some time, so I'm going to tell you a story. I, um, 
if you've been coming for a while, you've heard bits and pieces of my story. Um, if you haven't, there's a lot to tell, so I won't tell it all to you now. But in the past uh, few years, my life has been turned upside down, and my dad was sick um, with ALS for three years, and he passed away in May. And our family has gone through a bunch of hard things, and it has seemed like one thing after another after another. Just when you come up for air, a wave hits you again, and you're pushed back under. Um, and I feel like I spent so much time feeling like I was just waiting, waiting to take another breath. Under the pressure of the wave, waiting to be able to come up again for another breath. And what I experienced over a season of such intense and incredible hardship and suffering and confusion, um, what I experienced more than hardship and suffering and confusion was watching the God of the Bible do God of the Bible stuff in the midst of it. Doing things where I'd be like, there is no way that we can get through X. And then God would make a way that is in, a, in such a way that it is only him that did it over and over and over and over again. And I found myself being constantly just blown away of God's ability to make sure that I knew, although your circumstances haven't changed, you will experience them differently because I am in it with you. And I will show you that I'm working every step of the way. And so I experienced this season of hard stuff and watching God show up in the midst of it. And do you know what that did to me? What it didn't do is make me think, what I must do is go say, excuse me, have you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? If not, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. What it made me do is be like, yeah, I don't know. Life is crazy right now. My dad's dying, and there's this crazy thing that happened, and this happened, and I had prayed about it, and God did that. And I don't know what you are going to do with that story, but this is what I know. I was blind, and now I see. This is what I know. We were broke, and we were broken, and he had nowhere to live, and he was dying and ailing, a ailing day by day by day, and God showed up here, 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 here. My responsibility is not to make other people believe in Jesus. My responsibility is to say, here is the story of God's faithfulness in my life, and I cannot shut up because I don't deserve what he did, and so all I can do is tell you about it. Because I see that you're hurting, and I see that you're broken, and I've been hurting and broken, and let me tell you, this is the thing. This is life. And so we tell the story because we believe that Jesus is life. In John 20, he does a little fake out where you think the book's going to end, and then he like adds a little bonus. But he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We tell the story because we believe that it is life. We don't tell the story because someone stands up here and says, if you don't evangelize, it's because you don't believe. We tell the story because I believe, and I don't know how to make you believe what I believe, but I'm going to tell you my story because I believe that this is life. And Ken uses the example all the time of, of if there was a, a medicine cabinet with all of these different elixirs and someone was sick and you were like, I know the cure, it's this one. Would you feel bad telling somebody that? No, you'd be like, look, this is life. This is going to save you. And so when we watch God work in our life, when we realize like, shoot, this stuff is real. This Jesus is real. I don't know how it works. I don't know how he works. I don't have all the answers. I don't understand it all. But here's what I know is I was blind and now I see. 
I must tell you that story because I believe it's life and joy and freedom. Do you guys feel like I just said way too much stuff at you? Great answer. Okay. So we have a couple of minutes. I literally have no idea how long I've been going because I didn't look at the clock when we started. But we have a couple of minutes before we should probably go into worship. And so what I want to do is just really quickly, we've been, um, we want to do a lot more of like including you guys in what we're talking about and going through because you are processing things and what you don't need is me standing up here and just yelling at you for 40 minutes. So here's the thing is we talk about what makes a story your favorite story. It's the characters, it's the process, it's the journey, it's the ups and the downs, it's the holding your breath moments when you don't know what's going to happen. It's the heartbreaking moments when your heart breaks with the story's heart, right? It's the victorious moments when the the hero comes through and you're like, yeah, and you rejoice with them and you get chills. And so we've been going through the book of John all year. And I want to give a little bit of space right now, and I'm going to ask you to just be bold and give you space to say, what about the story of Jesus is worth telling to you? What has God done in your heart and life, either through this journey of this year of going through John, or right now today through something that God has told you? Because this is part of us telling the story. When you're sitting here and God says, ding, 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 light bulb moment, this is something I want to say to you. When we tell that story, there's someone in this room that needs to hear that story. And so if it's awkward and no one talks, I have no problem with awkward. Just telling Mark, we are an awkward church. If you don't know that by now, get comfortable with awkward. So w- what part of this story has impacted you? Be brave, I know you can do it. Or maybe it hasn't impacted you. Pastor Kenny leading the way. I think uh, there's a daring uh, statement for the naked, and so I'm on it. Uh, I'm a lead pastor at a church in Helena, Alabama, and uh, and almost all of the time I feel like uh, someone's favorite story I'm living. And uh, I love looking at this story and watching Jesus intricately and so ordinary die, and just just being confronted with the fact that you do need to die. Mm-hmm. And believe me, I get it. I run and I get it. Mm. And I don't feel like that uh, I'm not able to do that. Yeah. And yet that is one of the things that I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, our own accounts of Jesus are as important as the accounts in the Bible. Our own stories. I mean, the never-ending story, it continues on through our lives, the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that's weaving himself throughout the gospel narrative that is working out our salvation in us for the world to see. Yeah, really good. What else? Yeah, Patty.
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it amazing? He can give us a word in one season, and it's so identified with that season, and then he threads it through into another season, and you're like, oh, you're teaching me the same thing in such a different way that you are faithful and you're good and you're here. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's timeless. It's the truths of God revealed in a certain time period, but the truths of God are the truths of God in any time period. Um, I've been walking with a close friend of mine um, just through some hard stuff and through her own journey with trying to figure out what this Jesus thing is, and um, she's commented before, like, I don't, know, I don't understand how I can read this, and it was so old, and it is like speaks exactly into what I'm going through right now. And I'm like, isn't it amazing? I'm a Bible nerd because it's so awesome. I want to encourage you guys. Well, invite the worship team back up. I want to encourage you guys um, to tell the stories. We, um, we read through the Bible reading plan. We have a Bible reading plan. Grab it on your way out. There's a little bookmark back there. We read through the Bible together as a church. And one thing that I love is when I'm talking to people and they tell me what God said to them through a passage. And I'm like, I read it and I didn't even get that. We tell the stories. You're going through something hard. The tendency is to isolate and alienate because you're ashamed or you're broken or whatever your reason might be. Tell the story. Bring people into your story. So if you're here this morning and you know Jesus, maybe you need to fall in love all over again. Maybe you need to remember the story that God has worked out in your life. Maybe the story has become commonplace. And you need to remember, wait a minute. There was a time when I was blind, and I have forgotten that I just see now, and I have not always seen. Maybe you don't know if you believe yet, and you're walking in your process. Keep walking. I love what our friend Sean O'Brien said a few weeks ago. Just keep coming. Just keep walking. Process of coming to know who Jesus is is a process. It's not a one-time decision where you decide in, in an emotional moment, like, yes, sometimes that works for people. But regardless of if you make that decision in one moment, it is a process for the rest of your life. So keep walking, keep coming. Are you struggling to see that God has ever been present in your life? Maybe you're broken. Maybe your life story, you think, there, I haven't seen him ever. I promise you, he's been there. And if you begin to bring him in, you will start to see him here now. Are you struggling believing at all? Wherever you are in this process, you are, have an opportunity to respond to the invitation of Jesus, to reflect upon the story of his life and to respond to an invitation, an invitation to get up and follow or an invitation to continue to follow, one step at a time. And so we're going to move into a time of worship, and uh, we intentionally have more worship at the end. Our service does not end when the, mes- when the message ends. Church is not about a sermon, thankfully for those of us that are up here giving it. It's not about us, and it's not about a sermon. The message is about pointing all of you, all of us, to Jesus. The worship is going to be about pointing all of us and our hearts to Jesus. The whole reason this church exists 
is to point all of us to Jesus. And so as we move into a time of worship, wherever you are in your process, walking with Jesus or understanding who he is or unsure of who he is, I would invite you to just be honest with him during this next song. Wherever you are, tell him, even if you're like, I don't know if anyone's listening, but I don't know if I believe in you, but I'm curious. Or tell him, I've been walking and I haven't made a decision and I'm ready to make a decision. I'm ready to say, I believe in you. I'm, I'm in. Or you're saying, I've gotten so far off track. I've been so distracted by my own life and thinking that my part is the point that I need to refocus and come back to you. Wherever you are at in your process, we want to give you a space to meet with Jesus. So there's going to be people over here that want to pray for you. We're going to be singing worship. We're going to take communion together. After this first song, I'll come up and I'll lead us in that. Um, but we want to leave some space to respond, responding to the invitation of Christ, responding to the story that John has spent this whole year teaching us about who this person of Jesus is and what the work of Christ on the cross means for us today and every day, past, present, and future hope that's found in Christ. Let's pray.